Well, good evening, and we're glad that you're here for our Ash Wednesday worship service. It is good to be together and worshiping God. Thank you, Daniel and Clay, for leading us in the worship so far, and thank you, God, for your word. Before we dive into it, I, in this passage in Mark chapter 9, I'd love for you to consider this question. What does faith look like when we don't know what to do? What does faith look like when we don't know what to do? I invite you to ponder this question as we read from the passage. And I even invite you to try to experience what it would have been like to be in this crowd. Let's read from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. When he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word. Would your spirit illuminate its meaning for us tonight? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before diving back into this narrative, this story, I'd love to give you a little bit of background at what's been happening. So Jesus has already appointed his 12 disciples, and he has already shown some great miracles, healings, the casting out of demons. He's done the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. He's taught some of his parables. And from the disciples' perspective, Peter has confessed Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the one that is going to come and save them, save his people. And a few of them have seen the transfiguration, which while we won't get into the full significance of the transfiguration now, for this narrative, let's suffice it to say that Peter, James, and John have seen Jesus be glorified in a majestic and powerful and terrifying way. And then before those two things, They had been sent out in twos, so the disciples had been able to proclaim that people should repent 
And they were even able to cast out some demons and heal the sick themselves. So they've seen some of the big things that Jesus can do, but they've also probably feel fairly accomplished themselves. They might be thinking, I've done some cool miracles and I'm close buds with a person who's going to save us from Rome. And soon after the story, they even begin to argue who is the greatest among them. We now come to this passage before us and things aren't quite going as planned. So Jesus and those three disciples, Peter, James, and John, come down from the mountain after the transfiguration. There's a large crowd of various people, including scribes, which were Jewish religious leaders, Jesus' disciples, and a father and a son who we are told uh, has a demon. For some reason, no one there seems to understand, the demon in the son is not being cast out. So Jesus comes, and he saves the day. The disciples ask, how did you do it? And he gives an answer, but he also drops some hints along the way. The first hint comes when he says, O faithless generation, in verse 19, which I believe is less the remarks of an impatient leader desiring his followers to you know, get up to speed and get going, but it's rather a longing and desire for his people to follow him as they were created to be. The second hint is when he says all things are possible for one who believes in verse 23. Which is, it's, this also is echoed in Matthew's account of this same interaction, the same story. And Jesus talks about being able to move mountains and said, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. And the third hint is the answer he gives about prayer. Prayer is one of the ultimate expressions of faith. Why would you pray for someone to do something if you didn't believe they could do it? So these three hints of the story are anchored in faith. Jesus laments the lack of faith he sees. He tells them that anything is possible for one who believes and reminds them that the outworking of faith is prayer. So what does faith look like when we don't know what to do? Well, from what we've just talked about so far, it looks so far like have faith and pray. Just believe and pray. Is that it? Just believe and pray? Our world today would probably agree with this kind of message. If you're not seeing the success you want in life, just try harder. If you're not happy, work on yourself, find your inner happiness, and that will fix it. But unlike Josh Groban singing on the Polar Express soundtrack, you have everything you need if you just believe. Faith is not as simple as looking inside yourself and trying harder or singing a song about it. Let's take a closer look at the people in this passage and see what's really going on. Let's start with the disciples. So they were mostly lower class men who because of Jesus have seen firsthand and been able to do these incredible things. They were even arguing with the scribes who studied law, were writing contracts, were essentially really intelligent people and not meaning to offend the disciples, but most of them weren't. And then there's this demon in the boy and there's a huge crowd, and this boy is probably getting pushed and pulled in all different directions by different disciples saying, let me try. And they're all trying, and they're trying hard because they think they have the right answers, but they don't. And then we look at this poor child. We don't know an exact age, but from the context, we gather that he's had this demon for quite a while. It renders him mute, so he probably can't even speak for himself even if he tried. And also being a child in that time, I imagine he felt fairly powerless as he's getting jostled around by the crowd, unable to control what his body is doing. And then there's the father. 
if you catch in verse 17, he's actually a voice in the crowd, which probably means he's not even next to his son as his son is getting pulled around by all these adults, all these other men. He's taken a brave step, this father has, coming to this new teacher who's doing these miracles, and while waiting for the teacher, he suffered through these disciples trying and failing to help his son. And there are crowds and crowds of people pushing around, probably loud shouting, dust clouds are starting to fill the air. You can imagine the intensity of emotion that this father is feeling. And he's at the end of the line. The teacher finally comes in and sees what's happening, and the father shouts from the crowd and he asks for help. After the demon convulses the boy, upon seeing Jesus, Jesus asks how long this has been happening. And I love this answer because it's a great insight into how the father feels. Instead of just answering the question, which he does from childhood, he continues to explain more as if Jesus doesn't, the son of God doesn't understand what's going on. It's probably similar to when, you know, my son is sick and feeling terrible and I've tried everything and I'm stressed and I'm tired, so I go to the doctor desperate for an answer. And before I even anxiously start explaining what's going on and everything that's been happening, the doctor already knows what to do. Except this doctor in this story is the great physician who loves this man and loves this son way more than we can even imagine and can do even more and will do even more than cast out this demon. So the great physician doesn't interrupt and the father, in great transparency and vulnerability of soul, in verse 22, says, If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Who could possibly have more compassion than the one who left all the great glories in heaven and is with this father and son in this moment? Who could possibly love more than the God-man who would suffer the pain and death on the cross because he loves his children? And who could possibly do more than the one who would soon defeat death and sin and rise on the third day to ascend and reign on his throne in heaven? Friends, the Jesus in this passage that's here for this man and the son is the one who is here for you too. When you're at the end of the line and don't know what to do, it's not about pulling yourself up. It's not about trying harder or getting enough help to pull yourself up by yourself. It's complete reliance on Jesus. So what happens next? This isn't mockery from Jesus' part. He loves his children too much to do that. He quotes the man's phrase back to him, perhaps to show him the full weight of what he has just said to the Son of God. And Jesus says, all things are possible for one who believes. And the father's response is perfect. He cries out, I believe. Help my unbelief. Some manuscripts even add that he cries with, out with tears. So just before the crowd rushes in, possibly crushing that boy if they did, Jesus invokes his almighty power, almighty power and authority to cast out the demon and it will never enter him again. It's not the disciples, it's not the father or the scribes that do it. It's Jesus is the one who does. We may not find ourselves quite at the end of the line like the father. Perhaps we believe in ourselves and feel like we can do everything, and, but we'll ultimately come up short. Maybe we're unable to put words at what we're feeling or what's even going on. Maybe we feel the pressures of the, the world around us and 
we're unsure if this Jesus we're hearing about is really worth following. Well, the point is not how the Father is or how we are. The point is what Jesus says and does. Jesus doesn't tell us that faith means to try harder or do more or pray more or love him more. Jesus comes to us first. He came to earth as the God-man who lived the perfect life we never could. This doesn't keep him far from us, though, this perfection. The author of the letter to the Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. John describes Jesus in his gospel as having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus loves you, showed his love for you on the cross, and will love you through the end. And we don't have to try and show our perfect love to prove our faith in return. In fact, Paul tells the church in Ephesus the step of faith we take is not even our own doing. It's a gift of God. So what does this step of faith in Jesus practically look like? How do we completely rely on Jesus? There's a quote from Robert, uh, Robert, uh, Robert Weber uh, about Ash Wednesday that uh, speaks to our faith. It says, beginning with Ash Wednesday, the call that prevails throughout the Lenten journey is to create and make in us new and contrite hearts. While it is God who creates that new heart in us through grace, we are called on to receive God's grace in repentance, a turning from sin, and in faith, a turning toward God. We are assisted in this journey of turning through fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. External disciplines that order and organize the internal experiences of our continuing conversion. So back to our original question, in light of this quote, what does faith look like when we don't know what to do? It doesn't look too far off from this man at the end of the line. Let's look at the model of faith this father shows. While the action of love and healing and even providing of the faith comes from God, there is movement and a turning to in the father's, in the father's motions. The father took a step when he heard of this teacher that could possibly heal and cast out demons. The father shared his burdens and his pains with Jesus, and with what little faith he shows, Jesus answers him. So the external disciplines we exercise are not the source of faith. This is echoed when Jesus mentions in verse 29 that this kind of demon is only cast out by prayer. When we hear this, do we see prayer as something to do to get what we want? Jesus doesn't say that. Prayer is an expression or it's an outworking of faith. When we pray in the worship service, or we pray at home or with our families, it's not the act of prayer that does the work, but the one who hears the prayer. God created us with agency and the ability to, to do things, but it is all through him and for him that we live and have our being. We turn to him as the perfecter and sustainer of our faith. So as we move into this Lenten season, may we turn to him and look and be people completely reliant on faith in Christ. Sorry, I said that wrong. Let me try that again. As we move into this season, may we turn to him and look and be people completely reliant on Christ. Would God use these outward disciplines to give us the faith that relies completely on him, the one who can and does more than anything we ask or imagine. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, you do more than we ask or imagine for us. 
You have given us the faith to follow you, to turn to you, to repent and believe in you. And we ask that during this evening, this Lenten season, and and for our lives, would you do that? Would your spirit work in our hearts to turn away from our sins and turn towards you? We completely rely on you, Jesus, for our faith. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.